Welcome to church, everybody. Good to see you for our second service today. For those that are watching, and most of the church family are still watching, we're glad you're tuning in. Want to remind you, today is Communion Sunday, so if you're watching from home, you may want to get some emblems together, a cracker and some juice or whatever, and uh, you'll be prepared during communion time. But it's good to see everybody here. This is our sixth, I believe, Sunday back in person, and it's good to see everybody in your masks. You're looking so good. And uh, we've been saying it's a contactless service, so we usually do handshakes and hugs at this time, but we're not doing that. So tell you what, turn around and just wave at somebody near you and let them know you're glad to see them, all right? Keep standing, and we're going to continue singing to the Lord today. Touching every heart, I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You're healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You're turning lives around. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, commanding every heart. I worship you. Darkness, my God, 
praise the Lord this morning. Go ahead. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. You can be seated this morning. We're going to continue to worship with communion. When you remember the Lord's death and celebrate his resurrection today. On your way in, you should have been able to pick up a communion cup and cracker. And if you need one, just raise your hand. The ushers will bring one to you. And uh, this is different uh, than we've done pre-COVID, right? Uh, we used to pass around the trays, but we're not going to do that because of our contactless service. So we've got a little uh, different method here. And just to let you know, since this is the first time we've used this method, there's two things you got to peel off, right? you got to peel off a top layer, which gives you the cracker or wafer, and then you peel off a second layer, which opens up the cup, all right? So just letting you know that, since this is the first time using this method for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Scripture says that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we hold this cracker, this wafer that is symbolic of the body of Christ, today as we remember the death of Christ, the resurrection of Jesus, for Christians, for believers, this is our way to spiritually connect and to actually participate in a spiritual way with the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. Paul says, I die daily. What does he mean by that? He doesn't mean physically. What he means by that is we die to ourselves. We die to our selfishness. We die to our, our propensity to want to have our way, to self-rule. And we say, Jesus, we lay down our wills to you. We submit, Lord, and yield to your leading in our life. And as believers, part of communion is, is taking part in the death of Christ. The Bible says that Jesus on the cross bore all of our sins. He bore upon himself all of our past, all of our regrets, all of our diseases. And today in a moment, we're going to pray over the bread and then we're going to take the bread and do the same with the cup. At that moment when we pray, I want you just to lay down all your burdens. I want you to lay down your worries. I want you to lay down your struggles and say, Jesus, you bore this on the cross so that we would not have to bear it in life. The Bible says he literally allowed himself to be broken in every way so that you and I would walk in his fullness that was won for us upon his resurrection. Let's pray over the bread before we take it together. Lord. We thank you for the cross, the power, Lord, of the cross that forgives sins, that forgives our pasts. Jesus, that washes away everything, Lord, that's negative and dark in our lives. Lord, whatever is broken, Lord, we lay it down today. I pray for anyone here, Lord, in your house, for those that are watching from home today, that, Lord, we lay our brokenness down, brokenness emotionally, brokenness in a relationship, in a marriage, in a family, brokenness financially, or even brokenness in our health. Jesus, you said that you allowed yourself to be broken on the cross 
So upon the power of your resurrection, Lord, we would live in the fullness of newness of life. So we receive your wholeness today, God, for any place in us that is broken. We receive the fullness of Jesus for any place in us that is empty. We receive it in Jesus' name today. Amen. Let's take the bread together. Scripture continues, says that in the same way, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. This cup of juice we hold in our hands is symbolic of the blood of Jesus that was poured out on the cross for us. He shed his blood that you and I would receive forgiveness of sins. And if we repent, we receive newness of life, everlasting life that not only guarantees our home in heaven forever, but it also allows us to experience the life power of Christ even here as we navigate through this world. That's what this cup is about. In a moment, we're going to pray over it and take the cup together. At that point, if you're here today, if you're watching at home, and you've never turned your life over to Christ. You've never been born again. You've never become a Christian. I'm going to allow you to pray and have time for you to receive Christ as Savior today. That's what this cup is about. That's what the cross is about. Winning new life for us. And if you're here today as a believer and you say, boy, I'm just having a tough time dealing with all that's going on in our society and the virus and the rest of it. I want you to know there's newness of life in Christ for whatever is dark in your situation. Yea, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, whatever is casting a shadow of your situation, your circumstance, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in your finances, in your health, wherever it is, I want you to know because of the cross and the resurrection, the Bible says he rose again in three days and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. Paul says, Christ destroyed the final enemy, death itself. Hallelujah. And I want you to know we walk as Christians, as believers, we walk in the fullness of the resurrection life, even here. It's not only something that, you know, secures us a reservation in heaven for eternity. It is something through the Holy Spirit we live with even now. So when we pray together, we give you opportunity to receive Christ as Savior. But if you're here and say, I'm a Christian, but I'm struggling here, I'm struggling there, I want you to know, by faith, you say, Jesus, we're going to receive the life of Christ in a spiritual way that will energize you and will allow you to overcome anything in your circumstance today that resembles darkness. Let's pray over the cup before we take it, if you bow with me. And if you're here and you say, I need to receive Jesus. If you're watching, you say, I need to receive Jesus. I invite you to pray this prayer after me. Just pray, dear Jesus, I need you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again on the third day. Forgive my sins. Forgive my past. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. If you pray that prayer, the Bible says you are a Christian. You're born again. And Lord, as we hold this cup in our hands that represents your blood poured out on the cross, we're so grateful that the story did not end there. 
But three days later, you rose again in resurrection, victory, and life-giving power that overcame death and everything that death represents. Lord, if there's anyone here that knows you, but there's a struggle in their life, there's a struggle in their heart, there's a burden on their mind, and Jesus, they're struggling with worry, they're struggling with fear. Lord, we lay those things down. Those are things of darkness. We lay every representation of the shadow of death. We lay it down right now, and we receive by faith the overcoming victory of the cross and resurrection in our life. We receive the power of Jesus that allows us to walk, God, in your life even now, even today. We receive it in the name of the resurrected one in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the cup together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you hang on to your cups, the ushers are coming right now. They're going to bring a bucket near you. You can deposit your cups in the bucket. Let's sing as the ushers are coming. Jesus, we thank you, God, for the power of the cross. We thank you for the reality of the resurrection that surrounds us as believers, Lord, as we walk through this life and as you welcome us home someday in heaven itself. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Are you grateful for the power of the cross in your life? Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise God. Well, uh, we mentioned uh, actually an announced last week, and I believe uh, pretty much all the Crossroads families are aware by now that Pastor Corey, Pastor Faith are leaving us to move back to Maine, back home across country. Their final service will be with us on the last Sunday of September. I believe that's September 27th. Pastor Corey will be speaking, and we're going to celebrate them and love on them on that day. Make sure you put that day on your calendar. It's going to be a special day on September 27th. We're going to take the offering at this time or give time for the offering. And if you're watching from home as well, you can continue to give uh, online. You can continue to give by text or even mailing it in. If you brought your offering with you today in the worship center, uh, we're not going to pass around uh, the offering like we used to. We've got an offering box in the back of the building uh, on your way out. You can see it. it says offering on it. You can deposit your offering there. Feel free to do that if you choose. Let's pray over the giving right now, can we? Lord. Lord, we thank you, God, for the opportunity to worship you in this way. Lord, your word teaches and instructs us if we will step out in faith. 
Lord, that we would give to you, that, God, you would respond to that faith and you will open up the windows of heaven, Lord, your word says, and pour your blessing upon us. We thank you, God, that when we choose to trust in you, even in this area, we are inviting you into our financial lives. And so, Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you for this form of worship, God, that we engage in today. So we give with joy today in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the ways we love to worship God here at Crossroads is through our giving. And there's four different ways that you can give. You can mail in a check to the address you see below. You can send a text to the number you see below. Or you can go to our website, crossroadschurch.vegas slash give and set up online giving. Or if you're here in person, you can put your offering in the offering box that's between the two exit doors on your way out. Well, our youth group is now meeting live and in person Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. If you're unable to join us in person, you can still watch live at 7 o'clock on our YouTube channel. We want you, if you're in 6th to 12th grade, join us this Wednesday night in the multi-purpose room with your mask on. We're going to have a great time. We'll see you then. We just want to let you know that we are expanding our kids' ministry in person here at Crossroads. We are now having kids' church for kids ages 6 and under. If you haven't come out to check us out in person here at Crossroads, we want to let you know there's still plenty of room. There's lots of space in the worship center for us to spread out and be socially distant. Everyone is wearing their masks at all times. We're washing our hands. We're not contacting each other. We are having a great time having church together. Please check us out next Sunday. That's it for today. If you need any more information, just go to our website, crossroadschurch.vegas. carrying on with a series we've been in the last few weeks called A Faith That Works When Life Doesn't. When life sometimes seems like it's upside down, we have a faith as believers that works. We have a faith built on Christ and the resurrection of Jesus. It's a faith that we can depend on. It's a faith that we can rely on. And that's what we've been talking about. We've been kind of going through passages from the book of James in this series, and we're continuing on with that today. Today, the text is found in James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. And today, we're talking about the idea in James chapter 1, 21, about the mirror of our lives. We're going to talk about in this passage the mirror of that God has provided for you and for me. So let's jump in and look at the text this morning, James chapter 1, starting with verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. 
So we're to talk about this idea of the mirror that God has provided for you and for me. Number one on your notes says this. The first point is this. We can't do the word until we accept the word. We're talking about the word of God, the scriptures, the teachings, and the truths of the scriptures. We cannot do or be doers or livers, right, people who live out the word of God, until we accept the word. Look at verse 21 and 22 one more time. James says, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So verse 21 says, humbly accept the word planted in you. James is talking to believers. He's talking to Christians. And he says, when you were born again, when you became a Christian, the word of God was planted in you. What's he talking about? Well, the word of God is the gospel message that was planted in you. But the word of God is also the person of Christ. John chapter 1 teaches that. He is called the word. And the person of Christ, through the Holy Spirit, was planted in you when you became saved. So that's what he's saying. He says, the word of God, when you became a Christian, is planted in you. The gospel message, the person of Jesus through the Holy Spirit is planted in you, but you still must make the choice to accept God's word in your life. Before you can do the word or obey the word, you've got to accept God's word, his truth, his scriptures. You've got to accept it. You've got to realize that it's God's message directly to you and directly to me as Christians. Now, what do I mean by accepting the word? Accepting the word means to embrace it as the authority in your life. Accepting God's word, his truth, means to accept it as the authority in your life, what you live your life by, what guides your choices, what directs your goals, what influences your thoughts and your actions, what shapes your appetites and dreams, what holds supremacy in your life. You see, to obey the word means we need to accept it and receive it as the authority in our lives. See, the question is, what are you going to use to live your life by? Is the Bible just one of many authorities in your life? There are people in our world that, you know, the authority in their life is our culture. Whatever social media says is how they live their life. Whatever this says is how they live their life. Whatever their friends say is how they live their life. You've got to decide what is going to be the authority that you base your life upon. And in verse 21, James says, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. It is the word of God that is the only thing that can save you. It is the presence of Christ in your life. Again, the word is the gospel, but the word is also the very presence of Jesus himself in your heart as a believer. It's the only thing. Accepting it, living it, believing it is the thing that gets you to heaven and allows you to experience eternal life down here. It's the only thing. There's no product you can buy that can do that. There's no amount of money you can have that'll give you eternal life. There's no invention that'll give you eternal life. There's no authority, no government, no power outside of God himself and Jesus that can give us eternal life. That's why James says, we got to accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And then look at verse 22. He says, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now look at this next part. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Instead, do what 
it says. You see, the implication James has here is that just hearing the word alone is not enough. Just hearing it's not enough. Many people throughout our country and really throughout the world are attending church service or watching church services. About 70% of our church family are still watching and about 30% between first service and this service are coming. And it's easy to kind of hear a sermon or a message from the, and, and walk out to the parking lot and just forget it. Just say, that was a nice message. Or you might say, well, it's kind of a mediocre message, whatever you're going to say. And then forget it. And James says, if you think just hearing it and not doing anything about it is enough, you're deceiving yourself. You see, it matters what you do. Ultimately, although hearing is important and listening is all that's important, ultimately when you boil it all down, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter just what you hear. It doesn't matter what you listen to. It even doesn't matter what you agree with. It matters what you incorporate in your heart and life that affects how you live. That's what matters. It matters what you do. Turn to somebody and say, it matters what you do. Go ahead, tell them. <laughs> says, I don't want to do that, Pastor Bob. That's okay. <laughs> Audience participation is optional as always. It matters what you do. There's an old story of a, of a couple, husband and wife, discussing a possibility of taking a trip, a vacation to the Holy Land. Husband says, oh, dear, wouldn't it be fantastic to go to the Holy Land and stand by, you know, uh, Mount Sinai and, and speak and shout the great commandments by, you know, the Ten Commandments by Mount Sinai. His wife says, it would be even better, dear, if you stayed home and obeyed the Ten Commandments rather than go to Israel and, you know, just talk about them, right? It matters what you do, not just what you say. A lot of people say, oh, I'm a Christian. A lot of people say, oh, I believe there's a God. Are you doing what God's Word says to do? Are you living the way God says to live? Pastor Rick Warren says, you only truly believe the parts of the Bible that you do. Many people say, I agree that we should love others. Are you showing love, sacrificial love? To everybody you engage. People say, I agree that we should be unselfish. Well, are you selfish in your marriage? Are you selfish in your relationships? Are you selfish at work? People say, I agree that we should do what the Bible says and work out our disagreements with people with love and humility. Are you doing that? If you turn on the news, there's a lot of disagreement out there, right, all over our country in a lot of ways, and people are not working it out, and they're not certainly working it out with love and humility. It doesn't matter, and I bet a lot of those people would say, oh, I, I, you know, I believe there's a God or I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter what you say or label yourself. What matters, James says, is what you do. The second point on your notes is this. So we have to accept the word, number one. Number two, how are you responding to God's mirror? How are you responding to God's mirror? If you look at verse 23 and 24 of our text, James says, For if you just listen and don't obey, it's like looking at your face in a mirror, but doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. James is talking about a mirror. I brought a mirror today. We had a big mirror we're going to bring out here, but then it would blind everybody with all these lights that I've got up here. Hopefully I'm not that blinding anybody. I can pick on somebody. There, there we go. Anyway, we all know what a mirror is. What do you do with a mirror? Well, you, you look into it, right? What's a mirror for? 
I, I gave a definition. A mirror is a tool or device that lets you see what you look like so you can make changes as necessary, right? I look in the mirror and my, you know, in the morning I get up, my hair's going nine different directions, even though that's a style for many. It's not my style. So I look in the mirror and I comb my hair down. What's one of the main things we do before we leave the house or the apartment, right? We look in the mirror. Matter of fact, just for fun, I did this first service. Uh, how many here spend at least five minutes looking in the mirror before you leave the house or the apartment? There you go. I'm proud of you. They're good. At least five minutes, all right? If you're not doing that, well, we're going to help you out. All right, anyway, how many, how many spend at least 15 minutes a day looking in the mirror before you leave the house or the apartment, right? 15 minutes? Yeah, a lot of people. How many spend at least 30 minutes looking in the mirror before you leave the house or the apartment? Yeah, there you go. Oh, I'm proud of you there. Good job. All right. Well, yeah, the first service, it kind of fell down at this point, too. Anybody 45 minutes staring into the mirror? Oh, there you go. Well, that's, that's why you're so beautiful, right? Anybody spend an hour? Anybody spend 60 minutes looking at... I couldn't stand looking at myself for 60 minutes. I got to be honest with you right now. I feel good on the inside. I look in the mirror, and it's like, wow, you know, God bless the congregation. But looking at... Anyway, um, you know, this first service, we didn't have many people raising their hands. 60 minutes looking in the mirror. What's a mirror for? For, right? If your hair's messed up, if your makeup isn't what you want it to be, if you got, you know, a piece of potato chip in your teeth or something, it shows you, right? I think of this idea of the importance of looking in a mirror. I told this story years ago. Many years ago, Cindy uh, and I were at a church in California. And, and they would, in those days, do what they call specials, where they'd have a soloist come out and sing a special song for the congregation. And this lady that none of you would know, and she's probably in heaven by now because she was in her 70s in those days, which at that time I thought was old, and the older I get, I think is less old. But anyway, um, <laughs> she went to the bathroom before she came out to sing her solo and, and looked in the mirror, and she was wearing a dress. In those days, you know, people wore things called dresses to church, and, and she came out and didn't realize that she had tucked the back of her dress into her nylons. But the front of the dress looked fine when she looked in the mirror, but she didn't look at everything in the mirror. So she had her dress tucked in her nylons, came walking out to church <laughs> to sing her solo, and people just fell over. And, uh, of course, the youth were all, you know, laughing and having a good time. And needless to say, they still talk about that service at that church over a decade since it actually happened. Mirrors are important, but you got to use them the right way. What are characteristics of a mirror? A mirror gives you a perspective that you do not have on your own. It lets you see things that you don't see on your own. That's why we look at them, right? What's another characteristic of a mirror? A mirror makes you see yourself as you really are, not as you think you are. Have you ever been into a clothing store and you put on a hat or something? You think, man, I'm sure I look very cool in this thing. And then, you know, you, you, you either pick up a mirror or you go to the mirror on the wall and you look at it and say, oh, I just look like a fool. I better take this hat off and uh, put it back on the, on the rack. I'm not going to buy this thing. A mirror shows you as you really are, not as you think you are. Another characteristic of a mirror is a mirror only shows you the truth. In order to change, you have to act on what you see. If I put on the hat that I think makes me look so cool, and then I look in the mirror and I realize you look like a goofball, I've got to take the hat off. It's not, the mirror's not going to do it for me. The mirror shows you what you look like, but you've got to do something about it. 
Another characteristic of the mirror is a mirror presupposes a standard of appearance. In other words, when I go to the mirror, I know I want to look a certain way. The mirror just shows me how I really look, and then I've got to make the changes. If I get up in the morning, my hair is like doing this, uh, but I want it to lay flat. Uh, I go to the mirror. It shows me what I look like. I've got to do something about it to match the standard I have in my mind. Now, James, God through James is teaching here that God's word, the scriptures, the Bible, God's truth, God's word is our mirror. God's word is our mirror. Turn to somebody and tell them, God's word is your mirror. Go ahead and tell them that. They got a mirror. Say, I don't want to do that, Pastor Bob. I'm sitting at home next to somebody. You don't have to do that at home either, right? God's word is your mirror if you're a Christian. So what are characteristics of God's word? God's word gives you a perspective that you do not have on your own. We think we're doing great. We think we're treating our spouse fine. We think we're treating people at work fine. And yet everybody else is saying, boy, what a, you know, hot-headed jerk that guy is or something like that. God's word will show you that you need to deal with your temper. We talked about that last week. God's word will show you places that it gives us a perspective that you don't have on your own. What does God's word, the mirror, do? God's word makes you see yourself as you really are, not as you think you are. Everybody thinks they're good. Everybody thinks they're loving. Everybody thinks that they're God's favorite. Everybody thinks that, that, that God loves them just the way they are, and God does love you just the way you are. He loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you the way you are. He wants to raise you up where he is. The mirror lets you see how you, how you really are, not as you think you are. And then God's word, the mirror, shows the truth. But you have to act on the truth you see. You open up the word of God and it talks about how we're to love one another and how we're to be compassionate to one another and be patient with one another. And then the Holy Spirit convicts your heart because you were less than that when you were dealing with your spouse, you know, five minutes ago. Or you were less than that when dealing with somebody at work or at school or whatever it is. And the mirror shows you, you need to work on your temper. You need to work on being more patient. You need to work on being more compassionate. But it's up to you and me to do something about it. Just like when I put on the hat that I think makes me look so cool, and I look in the mirror, and I look like a fool. I, you know, the mirror shows me, but the mirror's not going to take the hat off. I've got to take the hat off. God's word, the mirror, will show you where you need to be more loving or more compassionate or more self-sacrificing and less, you know, selfish. But you've got to do something about it. God's word shows the truth. You have to act on the truth you see. God's word presupposes a standard of behavior. You see, there's a certain way to live. God wants to set you free. And it matters what you think. It matters what you say. It matters what you believe. It matters how you live. I gave a definition of a mirror. I'll give another one. The mirror of God's word is a tool or device that lets us see what we look like on the inside so we can make changes as necessary. God's word shows us what needs changing. It shows us what we cannot see in our own. It shows us a perspective that we don't have on our own, but we must respond to it. Maybe you're living in worry. Maybe you're living in fear. God wants to set you free from those things. And his word shows you and he says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path and he will set you free from all the stress you're experiencing because you can't figure out which way to go. You've got to look into the mirror and let it impact you. 
Here's another example from the scriptures, the great commandment. Jesus said this in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Somebody asked him. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So first of all, he says, love the Lord your God with all that you are. Another way of putting that is to say, put God first. Put him first in every area of your life. Put him first in your time. Put him first in your relationships. Put him first in your finances, in your choices, in your calendar. Put him first in your plans and your goals. And when God's mirror shows us this standard, we're confronted with, our, with what we actually look like in the mirror of the word. God, I'm not putting you first in my plans. I'm making plans on my own. I'm leaving you out of my relationship. I'm leaving you out of my marriage. Maybe that's why it's going, you know, a little, little less than best, right? I'm leaving you out of my finances. That's why I'm struggling finance. You know, God said, the mirror says, love the Lord with, with all that you are, with all of your life. What are you going to do with what the mirror shows you? And then he says, the second commandment's like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we hold up our lives to that mirror. Are you loving other people in your life like you love yourself? Do you look out for the good of your spouse or others as much as you look out for your own good? Do you forgive others the way you forgive yourself? How many know we forgive ourselves all the time? You may not be aware of it. We let ourselves off the hook, right? You're, you're late to an appointment and, oh, well, there was traffic and, you know, I couldn't get out of the house and, you know, this. Hey, you know, someone's late for you. What do you do? Well, you don't respect my time. You don't respect, you know. Are you loving your others like you love yourself? And we put ourselves up to that mirror, and, and, and God shows us what we really look like on the inside. The Word of God is like a mirror that shows us what we are, but it motivates us towards what we can become. If you're a willing, God will help you match his mirror when we respond one of the ways we do when we respond to his mirror, this, I put this in your notes, we talk about this in the past, three steps to living out God's purposes for your life. Spend regular time with God. What do I mean? Every day you got to spend some time. It might be 15 minutes where you open up the Bible. You spend time praying. you got to spend time with God. How do I match up with his mirror? Spend regular time with God's people. That's why we're back in church. That's why we've never stopped our small groups where we're meeting together. As Christians, you've got to spend time with Christians. Spend time giving your life away. It's not all about you. It's not all about taking, taking, taking. You've got to give your life away. Give God some of your time, some of your talent, some of your treasure. When you give your life away, God says you're responding to the mirror of my command to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. This is God's mirror. What are we going to do about it? Let's go back to James chapter 1 and verse 23. For if you just listen and don't obey, it's like looking at your face in a mirror, but doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. James says, if you do this, it's unproductive. Nothing's going to change. How many people listen to sermon after sermon, watch guys on TV, all kinds of things, but they forget about what they, they don't do anything about it. It doesn't, it doesn't change their life. 
James says it's unproductive if you do this. It's futile. It's a waste of time. It's silly. So we need to take the mirror evaluation. We need to ask ourselves from time to time, am I responding to what God's mirror shows me? James says if you, you look at a mirror but do nothing about it, about what you see, you know, your hair is going nine different ways and you do nothing about it. It's like the person that hears God's word, but it, they don't let it in their heart. They don't let it affect their lives. They don't let it affect their thinking, their decisions. So we need to evaluate some from, from time to time as Christians. Am I responding to God's mirror, God's word, God's truth? Am I responding to the mirror in my marriage? There's all kinds of teaching in God's word in his mirror that says we are to submit to one another as couples. We're to submit to one another. And guys, the, the mirror, the word says that we're to love our wives like Jesus loved the church. How did Jesus love the church? He died for the church. Are we to die for our, our spouses? Not literally, but we are to lay down our lives for our spouses. Say, so it's hard to do. Yes, it is. But you know what? If you're willing, God will give you the strength to do it. Are you responding to the mirror in, in your career, in your decisions, in your choices, at school, in your finances? It's a big step of faith to say, God, I'm going to give to you. Your word commands it. Your mirror shows, tells me what to do. And if I'll do that as an act of faith, God says, I'm going to enter into that part of your life. I'm going to bless you, the mirror says. Luke chapter 6, give, it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use to give God is the very same measure God uses to give back to you. Malachi 3, right? If you give to God, he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour blessing into your life. Am I responding to what the mirror shows me? That's the question that we all grapple with. And then lastly, number three in your notes. I've got to accept the mirror in my life. I've got to respond to the mirror. Let's talk about the results of living by God's mirror, his word. What happens if we do this? What are the results of living by God's mirror? Verse 25, James says, But the man or woman who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, there's freedom, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but what? Doing it, right? Not just agreeing with it, not just hearing it, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he, what? Does. There's the doing again. James is all about the doing. James must have known a lot of people where talk is cheap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> do you ever have somebody in your life, they, they promise all kinds of things, but they never do any of them. I'd rather have a person promise me one thing and follow through with it than promise me 20 and don't do any of it. That's what James is saying. And what does he say? How do we look into God's mirror? He says you've got to look intently. Notice that in verse 25, look intently. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, in other words, not casually, not flippantly, but intently with energy and seriousness. Are you serious with God's word? Some people, oh, I could take it or leave it. It's one of the authorities in my life. I'll, I'll listen to God's word, but I want to see what, you know, social media says first. I want to see what this person says first. I want to see what this politician says or this, you know. Are you serious with the word of God? That's what intently means. You must look continually. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, James says. In other words, not sporadically, not just once in a while. Why do I need to read the word of God? I read it last month. I might read it again, you know, two months from now. Some people, they never read scripture when things are going fine. And then something, you know, 
problematic comes up in their life and suddenly they're getting in the word and praying to God. God says, make it a part of your life. Those that look into the word continually. What happens if you only every once in a while looked into a physical mirror? I'm going to look into the mirror, you know, maybe once a month, you know. Boy, won't you be a picture, right? You know, you get up, your hair's going this way and, you know, whatever. And, you know, if you, if you only looked at a physical mirror every once in a while, you wouldn't be aware of what you look like. And you wouldn't even be aware of maybe some of the dirt that's getting on you. And if you only sporadically look at God's word, you're not going to really know what you look like on the inside. What other people see. And you won't even notice when you get spiritual dirt on you. He says, you must look at it continually. And then he says, you must not forget what you learn. He says, if this person continues to look to do this, to look into the word, not forgetting what he has heard. That's why it's called Bible study. We need to write it down. We need to memorize the word. That's why we have small groups in our church. You can join a small group. Check out your bulletin. Just go to our small group area. Pastor Tom oversees that for us. Don't forget what you learned. And then lastly, he says, when you're looking into the word, you must live out the word in your daily life. He says, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. The main message would be doers of God's word. Are you living out biblical truth? Are you living it out in what you think, your views, your opinions, your beliefs, your actions, or all your opinions and all your views shaped by what social media says we're to think, or how the news says we're to think, or your friends say how to think. The word of God is very different than, than what our culture says sometimes. You've got to decide what is the authority I'm going to bend my life around, what God's mirror says, his word, or what social media says or what the society says or what the culture says when it comes to my sexuality, when it comes to how I, how I uh, you know, spend my money, when it comes to how I spend my time, when it comes to how I make my decisions and my goals and plan my things. We've got to decide what's going to be the authority. We started with that. But then you notice when you do these four things, when you look into the word, the mirror intently, when you look into it continually, when you don't forget what it says, and when you live out what it says, when you do it, what does James say? What is the result of those things? This person will be blessed in what they do. Isn't that great? You're going to be blessed in what you do. Let me ask you this morning, where do you want God's blessing in your life? Where do you need God's blessing in your life? What area of your life do you need God's intervention and his overwhelming blessing? Is it a relationship? Is it your physical health? Is it your finances? Is it your work? Is it your career? Is it school? Where do you need God's overwhelming blessing in your life? Find out what the word, the mirror shows you and then do it. That's what James is saying. If you want God's blessing, he says the result of living with the word, the result of responding to the mirror is freedom. And some of you need to be set free from fear. You need to be set free from worry. You need to be set free from all the stress that COVID-19 and everything else that's going on is, is putting on us all the time. He says, I want you to be free and I want you to live a blessed life. What's a blessed life? It's a life where God says, I'm going to pour my abundance upon you. That's what blessing means. It's translated in other translations as happiness. And he says, if you will be a person that looks into the mirror and does something about what you see, God says, I'm going to set you free and I'm going to pour blessing on you. That's what he says. 
Where do you want God's blessing in your life? Find out what the mirror says about it and then do something about it, James says. And that's the result. Freedom and blessing. We're going to close in a few minutes. The worship team's coming back. Here's the question I want to leave you with today. What are you going to do with the mirror? What are you going to do with God's mirror? <laughs> what are you going to do with it? Because as I said earlier, all across our nation and even the world, congregations are going to be leaving their buildings just like we are in just a couple of minutes. And many people are just going to forget about what they heard. They're going to say, that was a nice sermon, or maybe it was a so-so sermon, or I didn't like that at all. Maybe if you don't like it, it's because God's trying to talk to you about it. How many know that God's not always about warm fuzzies and making me feel good? God wants you to feel good, but, but how many know sometimes in order to feel good, you got to deal with the dirt, you got to deal with the infection, you got to deal with the disease, you got to deal with the cancer. I learned as a little kid, man, I don't know if I want to go to the doctor because before he can make me feel good, he's got to hurt me. He's got to give me a shot, you know, an injection. You know, he's got to give me a, you know what I'm saying. The question I want to leave you with today, and this is between you and the Lord. You're not accountable to me. We're all accountable to the same person, Jesus. See, many people want God's blessing, but they want it on his terms, their terms. We, we got to get it on his terms. Say, God, why don't you bless me? God, why don't you do this? God, why don't you do that? God says, I want to, but you got to do it on my terms. I say, I don't want to do it on your terms. I want it my way. And God says, well, guess what? I'm God and you're not. <laughs> That's why at the very beginning, what did we say? You can't, you can't be a doer of the word until you accept the word. Until you decide his, his mirror, his scriptural truth is going to be the authority in my life. Then you can expect his blessing, his freedom. People run around doing all kinds of things that they want to do their own way, and they're mad at God for not blessing them and not setting them free. And God says, I never promised that to you. He says, if you will look into the mirror of my word, respond to what I show you. He says, I'm going to set you free. Hallelujah. And I'm going to bless what you do. <laughs> it's a blessing of the Lord. It's the blessing of the Lord. That's what he wants for you. But the question is, what are you going to do with the mirror? God's mirror. You and I have to deal with that. And when you go home today, tonight, tomorrow, this week, I encourage you, open up the mirror, open up his word. Even if he puts his finger, how many know the Holy Spirit is the way of putting his finger right on the thing that, need, you know, you need to work on your patience, Bob. You need to work on, the, you know, why are you carrying around that worry? Yes, you got to be responsible. Yes, we got to wear masks. Yes, we got to do our part. But God says, I want to set you free, hallelujah, from your fear. We don't know what's going to happen next month or next six months or next year with the virus this and the vaccine that and all these kinds of things. Somebody said, I don't know what my future holds, but I do know who holds my future, hallelujah. And you say, God, I'm going to lean into you. 
And God says, when you open my word, I want to just set you free from the things that are binding you. I want to set you free, and then I'm going to bless you in what you do at work, at school, in your family, in your marriage. I want to bless what you do. But James says you got to respond to the mirror because if you just look at it and then just leave and forget it, you're deceiving yourself. There are people in our world that are deceiving themselves. James says, no, you got to respond to the mirror. And if you'll do, if you'll do it, you're going to be free and you're going to be blessed. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this song and we're going to close in prayer. Let's worship him this morning. close in prayer if you bow your hearts with me right now. Lord, I thank you that Jesus, you love us so much that Lord, you want to set us free and you want to bless what we do. You want to bless what our hand touches. But Lord, we need to respond to your word of life. We need to respond to what your mirror shows us. So Lord, I pray right now, if there's anyone here in your house, if there's anyone watching today, that, Lord, you're showing them in your word, you're showing them with your mirror the way to get things right. Help us to respond. Help us not to put it down and to walk away and to forget about it. Help us, Lord, if we need to change our attitudes, if we need to change some of our thinking, if we need to change some of our decisions, Lord, if we need to change, God, how we're reacting, God, and interacting with our family, with our kids, with our spouses with somebody at work, with somebody at school. Help us respond rightly. You will give us the strength. You will give us the ability, if we will so choose, Lord, to say yes to your mirror, to your word. 
And Lord, then we know the blessings will come. The freedom will come. You've promised it to us. Help us do our part. Help us, Lord, to leave here, not just forget what we've heard and forget what your mirror has shown us, Lord, as James has said. Help us not to deceive ourselves, thinking, God, that you will bless us, even though we purposely go against what your mirror says. Help us to embrace and accept your word in our lives. And God, we will. We don't have to beg you for your blessing. God, you said you will bless us. You will bless what our hand touches. You will bless us with your freedom. If we'll respond to the mirror of your word, help us to do that this week. That's our prayer. That's our desire. We prayed in the mighty name of the resurrected one. We prayed in Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, say a big amen this morning. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Stay cool. I'll see you next Sunday.